It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder fell to the Golden State Warriors. Was it a bad call at the end? The Thunder deserve a lot of credit. So does Lou Dort. We'll talk about it all on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Game Time, we're diving into the controversial call at the end of Warriors Thunder. We're talking about the Thunder hanging around with Golden State, despite SGA not being on the floor the new court more everything from this game we're going to dive into today brought to you by game time go download the game time app create your account and use code lockdown nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase so in this game the thunder were without sga still did not have kenrich williams did not have Keontae johnson he's with the g league but then Jalen williams out of arkansas was back for this game uh, jay will came back from his hamstring injury the thunder elected not to play Bertans, man poku sar uh, Lindy Waters. They started Josh Giddy, Kaysen Wallace, Lou Dort, J Dub, and Chet. Kaysen goes in place of SGA, who was out. The Warriors were fully healthy. Like there was literally no injury report for the Warriors. And you can only do that if you're like literally fully healthy, top to bottom. And they start Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. Uh, they were a full go. And this game, I don't want the final call to overshadow what this game was. This was an important game for the Thunder. This was a, a great learning experience for a very young Thunder team. In this game, the lead changed 23 times. Neither side could gain a double-digit lead. The Warriors' biggest lead was nine points. The Thunder's biggest lead was seven points. The Warriors out-rebound OKC by six. The biggest thing is the, the Thunder had 19 turnovers to the Warriors 15. OKC needs to invest in like some stick them into some, some super glue, brill cream just to dabble, do you? In something, something has to give with these just fumble the way uh, possessions, and, and those are going to get worked out. And, and some of those, I think, come from just the, the chemistry of, of, of anticipatory passes where, where You've got to know when to anticipate a pass to be coming to you to be ready for it and then get it and go up and everything like that. So I think that that's part of it. Uh, another part of it, of course, is that you didn't have SGA uh, taking on you know a bulk of the ball handling duties to where J-Dub had to be more of a playmaker. Josh Giddy is, is even more heightened as a playmaker. Each of those guys had six turnovers of these 19. So uh, I, I think that that factors in as well. But 
the Thunder have to clean up the turnovers. We talked about that in Chicago. We talked about that now. So even at the highest of highs and the blowout went over Chicago, we were talking about turnovers. Even now, after this loss to Golden State in the waning moments, we're talking about turnovers. The Thunder shot 60-51-80. Warriors shot 56-45-83. Really good performance from OKC. It was an efficient offense. It was a fast offense. They got back to their identity. They got back to the way that they are going to find success playing. They, they, they have to play this way. I don't care who's in the lineup. I don't care who's not in the lineup. You have to play fast. You have to, to get out and run for this young team to take advantage of what they're built to do. For this positionless basketball to work, you have to run. You have to play make. You have to, to pass the ball. You have to play like they did against Golden State. And when you do, you can beat teams like Golden State. And so... Here's what it boils down to. Forget the controversial call for a moment. We're going to circle back to that. At the end of the day, the Thunder scored on their last possession to, to put themselves up with 11 seconds left. And it was a really good play, right? No SGA, so Josh Giddy goes from being the silence at a bound guy, the slob wizard, if you will, to getting the inbound pass from Chet, and then he loops the pass over to Dort, who scores. So it was a really nice wrinkle to have Chet as the, as the inbounder when it's typically Josh Giddy. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that threw off the Warriors or not, but it was an interesting wrinkle for everyone who follows every uh, possession of the Thunder. And they scored. And so people were saying that why they score so quickly. Look, th this team is is built on the back of its defense. Of, of like whenever we were previewing this season, everyone was saying that this defense could be top 10 in the NBA, could be uh, uh, you know what you hang your hat on. And we've seen when you have to go half court and you have to methodically score, turnovers happen. For this young Thunder team, they don't have a ton of just knockdown. Even if you generate a wide open catch and shoot three, they don't have a ton of guys who can absolutely knock it down. So you, your best asset in the half court looks, and it's backed up by all the statistics. Your your best asset in half court offense is blob plays and slob plays. So you have to score off of those uh, for this young team when you can't get out in transition. So you can never pass up a chance to score, especially when you turn the ball over nearly twenty times in this game. So, so even a fumbled away ball uh, would have not been good for OKC, and we could see that happen as well. So I don't believe in that they scored too soon. In fact, I think that they got exactly what you want and what you would take and live with 10 times out of 10. Now, the result isn't what you want. But if you're going to tell me that whenever you play high-level contenders and high-level teams, that the Thunder will score on their last possession, they'll need to defend for 11 seconds, and the team that they're defending will go slow, play ISO, wait for the last shot, and they'll isolate their best player against Lou Dort. I'll take that every time. Now, you got to tip your cap to Steph Curry. Like, for forgetting the, the bad call, at the end of the day, Steph Curry got past Lou Dort, blew past him to the rim, and was able to score. That's that's the end of the day. Now, the Draymond Green touched the rim, the Josh Giddy, who cares about that right now? But to isolate it down to, without SGA, you weathered a ton of runs from Golden State. They took on a ton of runs from you. It was a back-and-forth game all night. It was an electric atmosphere, and you had Dort versus their best player. And sometimes it works, like against the Clippers last year on the road in L.A. when they're trying for 12 seconds to, to screen Lou Dort off of Kawhi. He fights through every screen. He locks down Kawhi, doesn't even get a shot off, and the Thunder win an electric game in L.A. That's how you play. Just because you lost, that's that that does no longer be is the wrong decision. This is exactly how they won in LA, a pivotal game on the road to get them to the play-in tournament. This is how they play in November, right? Against the Warriors. So I, I I agree with how this unfolded at the end. This this offense is not built to hold the ball for the last shot. 
oftentimes when they do that, it doesn't end up working out. They're built for letting their defense play. And if you're telling me that every night I'll get Dort versus their best player, I'll live with it. And I think that the record will be pretty good. It just so happens that he's playing an all-time great, and, and Steph Curry is fantastic. This was a Steph Curry play, not like a, a lapse from the Thunder or, or you know, so, something went wrong. But without SGA, you nearly beat the Warriors. The goaltending stuff, it's frustrating. I get it. It's silly. It, 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 at the end of the day, it did cost the Thunder. The, the NBA is standing behind. They made the right call. And so at that point, what are you going to do? Right, like, like this is a rule that is that you're only going to see once every 15 years, but you saw it this game. And if the NBA says it's the right call, there's not really much else you can do because the NBA, to their credit, now it doesn't amount to anything, but to their credit, they have been willing to, on the last two-minute report, say, hey, we got it wrong. They didn't say that they got it wrong. They said that they got it right. So if that's the rule, that's the rule. But independent of that frustrating call, this was a fantastic game. This team played to their identity, a young Case and Wallace stepped up, and the Thunder showed that they can compete. And you had little wrinkles to this too, where the Warriors, they splash a couple three, Steph Curry's dancing on the logo, and the team doesn't go away. The no-look lob pass from Steph Curry, the, these, these highlight plays where this crowd at times felt like a Warriors crowd, the Thunder never quit. And the Warriors spent a long time in this game kind of holding the Thunder at arm's length at, at a five-point deficit. But then OKC won their run. They got up seven points, and then it was back and forth from there. And so there's a few assets to this where, like, of course, the, the Steph Curry versus Dort thing, uh, you, you replay that a couple times. I don't think that Steph Curry gets as easy as, of a shot as he got against Lou Dort. Uh, but even cleaning up the turnovers will be huge for OKC. Even the third quarter be huge for OKC. The Warriors got to rest their starters and their star players pretty much the entire third quarter, and and it ends with a, with a tie game. Like, the Thunder did not pull ahead at all at the end of the third quarter. Now, the game was a sour ending, and and, and uh, it is frustrating, and it, in the moment, it felt just brutal, but when you, when, you, when you remove yourself from that whistle at the end, from that review, this was still a great game from OKC. The only thing that I have a true problem with, because again, I believe that if this call wasn't correct, they would have said so in the last two-minute report. Uh, because while most leagues kind of try to protect their officials or whatever, the NBA does say like, "Hey, they got it wrong." Uh, so I'm not going to pretend as though I've read every single line of the NBA rule book. So if that's the rule, that's the rule. But the thing that I find curious is the the rope that the Warriors get in terms of just verbally accosting officials. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr. Draymond Green, there were multiple times where they deserved technical fouls all throughout the game, and they just never got one. Uh, you know, that 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 goes crew to crew. There's going to be some crews who are very, very touchy on that, and, like, they're not going to let you get away with it. There's some crews where you get a longer leash. And so it wasn't like the Thunder got teed up either. Like, the Thunder had times where they were mad at the officials. They didn't get teed up. The Warriors did go overboard. They did, they did uh, do it in a more... Uh, dramatic way, but still, uh, I would say that that's more so my officiating quorum than what happened at the end. It was just a, it was just a weird play, a, a weird play and, and a sad play, just because if the game ended without such controversy, 
I think that it'd be much easier to remove yourself as fans to see the forest through the trees of like how good this game was Uh, and good, not in the sense of like entertaining, although it was that too, but good in the sense of it was great to see your young team perform like this. And we're going to go through it with Lou Dort, who deserves a ton of credit for how he's played all season long, but especially in this game, Chet Holmgren was elite in this game. And you're going to go on down the list and see where these guys are going to slowly start to come together. And they're going to slowly start to 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 build. And when I say this, I'm not saying check out until this point, but I think that this team will not peak and will not reach their just go all systems go until that that final December homestand or January or February. But right now, you're watching that come together. So these games are still important to see them develop that and develop that chemistry and everything. But this is going to be a slower developing team, a slower peaking team this season, much like it was last year, because you're so young because you've added so many new wrinkles, because you're figuring out the rotation, because you're trying to see what works against different matchups. And so eventually, this is going to be a really good team. I still believe that you know we're sitting here uh, through six games. I, I still believe that this team can be a top six team in the West. And the Thunder, I think, are only going to get better. And I, I don't think that they've played their A game yet. I, I think that their closest A game was against the Warriors, and they didn't have SGA, and they didn't have uh, you know their best game in the sense of like there are still many a turnovers to clean up. There's still uh, effort things on the glass that they can clean up against a smaller Warriors team. There's 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 no excuse in this game to, to get hammered in the glass. And and to their credit, they only lost the rebounding battle by six. But like this is a matchup where if they're going to play small with you, you've got to punish them for that because this is supposed to kind of be like your turf, so to say. Like you're, you're going to have to take advantage of of getting on the glass if you're OKC against smaller teams because you just can't do anything against m- most matchups where they're just going to be able to play bigger than you. But you can do something about games like games like tonight against the Warriors. So uh, I think ultimately this was a fantastic game from OKC. And it's going to feel terrible when you look back on it because of that final call or no call or whatever you want to call the goaltending. But this is what young cores are made of of what young cores kind of build upon that you look back on and say that kind of turned the tide for them. And had you won this game and and even whenever you didn't, I think that this can turn the tide too for a lot of the local Warriors fans to kind of get back on board with what the Thunder are doing. And the mood after the game, I think showed you what this season was all about. Like this young team, they had it, they, they had in mind like, Hey, we're still, Young, we're still growing, we're still doing the right things, but they also had in mind that this sucks. Like it sucks to lose games, and I think that that's the 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 the, the whole point of this season. There's going to be games where they fall short because they're a young team. There's also going to be games where they just don't have it because like there's always games where like teams don't have it. Even the the best of the best have games where they're just not going to win tonight because the shots aren't falling, they're sluggish, schedule loss, whatever. But at the end of the day, this team doesn't like to lose and they like to try to figure it out and they keep things in great perspective. Like, like Chet Holmgren was talking about how he picked up Josh Giddy and like, Hey, we're not even in this game. If you don't have that fourth quarter. So like, it's like credit to you for having that fourth quarter or else this game was, wouldn't even be close. Right. So that's so able to keep that in perspective while also acknowledging got to figure this out. And so I think that ultimately this team's going to be really good. I think that this team's still going to be a top six seed in the West, but the pathway to get there is going to be windy. It's going to be, uh, having a lot of twists and turns, and it's going to have nights like this where you got just right there, but ultimately didn't get over the hump. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is great for you to check out because it's great in general. So the Game Time app, what, what its benefit is, 
You get last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. You get $20 off whenever you use code locked in NBA as a first time user. And so my favorite part about it is in a sport like the NBA, and it happens for NFL, MLB, NHL, everything else. But if you're living here in Oklahoma City, there's 41 home games. And, you know, throughout your life, throughout your schedule, you, you can't like you can't plan to go to 41 home games. It's, it's going to be very hard to do if this isn't your job. So maybe you thought you had something happening tonight and then the plans fell through. But, hey, look, the Hawks are in town. So you can go see Trey Young tonight against uh, the Thunder in the Paycom Center. Boom. Get on game time monitor all day and then and then when it gets close to tip off that's when you're gonna find your best deals it's the lowest prices uh guaranteed for you it's last minute tickets it's flash deals there's zone deals and so you can you don't have to make up your mind five weeks in advance to get the best prices you can just simply go day to day you you can be listed as day to day although aren't we all in this life of are you going to attend are you not going to attend and you can make sure you get the best prices uh for these thunder games and you know, in, in the NBA, with, with the injury reports coming out every hour, you can kind of monitor and see, is this a game that I want to go to? And then, boom, whenever you do, load on up to game time, and you're going to get the last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. They have great uh, guarantees for you. They have event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They have all that fun stuff. You get a view from your seat at each venue, so you know exactly what you're signing up for with that ticket. Uh, so check it out today. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind whenever you purchase with that view from your seat with the all-in prices shown up front so there's no hidden fees or no no stuff you got to calculate by yourself uh you, you just get your ticket your tickets in seconds with two taps and away you go at game time so download the game time app use code locked in nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms and conditions apply create that account use code locked in nba l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-b-a for 20 dollars off of your first purchase download today at game time. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked on NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning. Every single day we're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, Lou Dort deserves his flowers. Like, Lou Dort was the punching bag last year uh, for, for most of the fan base and I kept holding out hope on this show, and, and, it, and I'll admit that it got repetitive. It got uh, exhausting for you listeners of like me telling you guys that let's just let's just give it another year. Let's see what it looks like whenever whenever the the pieces come together, and he's no longer a focal point of the offense. And this looked really good so far. He's adapted and adjusted to this new role, and he's and he's maintained that new role. He has been a constant, independent of the variables of hey, there's no SGA tonight, or hey. You know, this guy, this guy is struggling. Like that game in Cleveland where, where Josh and, and J-Dub are struggling to score and the Thunder get down by double digits and they got to make a comeback. Even in that game, even in this game, he is constantly in this new role and in this new mindset. I think it's his mindset more than a role. And so the variables tonight was SGA out. He picks up 3,004 minutes. So that's got to be frustrating, of course. But he goes out there. He scores 29 points, five rebounds, five for seven from the line, six for six from three, nine for 12 from the floor, shot 75% from the floor. This is a 
a process over results type of, of appreciation for Lou Dort. Now, the results were there in flying colors against Golden State. But you, every game recap, we've talked about, hey, 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 Lou Dort's playing his role really well. You saw it in this one. Uh, he was driving hard or shooting open threes. That was it. And, and his improved decision-making and his improved decisiveness is helping him out because he's beating guys to his spot and thus getting fouled whenever he does that. Instead of uh, kind of being kind of being half in, half out whenever he drives and only, only hurts himself. He's shooting a career high at the rim, and I think that that's still going to go up, but his career high right now is 56% at the rim, so he has improved. He's no longer like out of control when he drives. You remember what it looked like whenever Lou Dort was out of control. He's no longer like that. And then the biggest thing is he's shooting 46% on catch-and-shoot jumpers. He's shooting 50% on spot-up attempts. And to, to really highlight how he's improved at the rim, just go watch all of his transition offense attempts. He is generating over 1.2 points per possession in transition offense, which just shows the body control that he now possesses at the rim to finish uh, through and around defenders and the the patience of when to gather and when to go up versus before not only was it out of control, it kind of it kind of looked robotic a little bit of like just hey I've got to I've got to go to score at the rim so let me just do it now and, and and independent of what the defense is doing I'm just going to to go up and it ends up with him going up on like five or four defenders in the paint and even his heat checks in this game were pretty well thought out like the the sidestep three was electric it did get a wide open good good shot and he did hit it but like it wasn't as though he did that just right off the, the jump of a possession. He did that because the ball swings to him. The defense is, you know, the defense is rotating late and he's beating the defense with that, with that shot fake sidestep three where he's wide open. Like he, there was a method to it, not just a, Hey, I'm five for five. Let me shoot another one. Right. It, it was, it was different in this game. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for, for pretty much eliminating uh, most other shots than just three and rim. That's going to be his role. And he doesn't insert himself into the conversation offensively. He lets it come to him. And so even whenever he shot the other night, like one for four, one for five from three the other night, those five threes were well thought out, perfectly timed, great looks. They just didn't go in. And against the Warriors, they went in. So I don't care about when it goes in and when it doesn't. I care about how it looks and how he's playing. And so... In this game, they did go in, but he let everything come to him in the, in, the, in the flow of the offense, which was great. Chet Holmgren was elite. Elite. He does so many things very, very well. On nine shots, he got 24 points. And, and I, I think that some of the biggest plays was like he opens up this game where he's he gets the ball, he dribbles through the lane, hits a mid-range shot. Then he gets an assist. Then he hits a trailing three. That's how he opens this game. He goes eight for eight at the free throw line. We talked in the preseason, like if he can sustainably get to the line, that's going to be a massive difference for him. And he has throughout this whole season so far, he's consistently gotten through the, to the line. And I'm going to say this, and you're going to think of a different player, but his spin move works. Like it's, it actually works. And it, and it is used to his advantage of like him spinning through the paint is timed so well that Every time, he's either going to get a basket from it or a foul. He's not just spinning because, oh, crap, I dribbled this far and I don't know what to do next, and then he loses the basketball. Like, he is spinning because of what the, what he's reading defensively. 
the pump fake three where, where guys are respecting his three-point shot so hard, and, and rightfully so. He's shooting over 50% from three. That, that's great. Where guys are respecting his three-point shot so hard, it allows him to either A, blow right past him for an easy, easy layup. If you want to take that away, though, you're forced to rotate late, and it's either an and one or a foul, and you go to the free throw line. So he has so much gravity, and it's only going to get only going to get better from here. I, I think he's going to get a higher usage offensively as the season goes on. I think you, you even heard Draymond talk about it after the game, where, where, where he acknowledges that like Chet's going to be a problem. As these teams start to see it and start to see like, oh, he, he's using a spin move, he's stepping through on Wiggins, like he's he's spinning off of Steph into a dunk. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut that down. Oh, he's getting guys in the air at the three-point line. As they start to gear up more to stop Chet Holmgren, and that will continue to happen progressively against the Hawks, against these next few teams, the Cavs, and, and so on and so forth. As that starts to happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to open up you know, other players. It, it, it's, gonna, it's going to open up the offense so much for OKC. And I think the mindset of Chet Holmgren, you saw that unfold. We've been hearing from Patrick Beverly, from uh, you know his teammates, from J.J. Redick, from all these other guys around the NBA, inside the NBA, that have been praising the mentality that he has, the mentality of, of kind of him as a player. And you saw that in this game. He gets elbowed in the face by Draymond, isn't phased, doesn't care, just, just continues to play. There's a little dust-up with Golden State. He's right in the thick of things. Like, he's a player who's not just going to sit there and take it. And then you also saw it in the confidence of of himself of, of taking some contested shots, whereas, like, most rookies, and especially rookie big men, would, would like, pass that up and, and kind of shy away from it. Like, he, he is just a different player. And he's a different player both skill set-wise and size-wise than OKC's used to. He's also a different player, like, mentality-wise and, and personality-wise than OKC's used to on the court. So uh, I think Chet Holmgren was excellent in this game. Kaysen Wallace was also excellent in this game. It's hard to keep remembering that he's only a rookie because he plays so much older than he is. You know, there were plays where early on where you could see Kaysen, like if you go back and watch like the first quarter, you could see Kaysen like literally sitting there like thinking like what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be positioned, how he's supposed to, to close out on guys. And it resulted in a couple lapses where he didn't close out hard enough to Clay or Steph. That was in the first quarter, in the first few minutes of his first start in the NBA against the Warriors in the in-season tournament, all that good stuff. He course-corrected mid-game, mid-quarter. That is, that is insane to be able to have two lapses, fix it right away, mid-quarter, mid-game, and, and never have that mistake happen again. To, a, to fully eliminate a mistake in one game, especially as a rookie, is awesome. His pure activity, which we saw in Summer League, and we, when we pointed out that it would kind of embrace himself and dear himself to this fan base, his pure activity and nose for the basketball, where he is going to go in there, he's going to go into the trees, he's going to mix it up, he's going to die for loose balls, he's going to try to get rebounds. He's going to do all those things, the, the dirty work on top of the defense is awesome. He finished over Draymond Green. I think that he navigated the pick and roll very well on both ends, especially defensively. Like, like At the end of the day, the, the Steph Curry and Draymond pick and roll is going to just obliterate defenses because uh, you know if you're not communicating properly, but also your natural instinct is going to be to blitz Steph Curry at the pick and roll because he's Steph Curry and he can shoot from anywhere and threes are, are, are worth more than two. But then if you're both blitzing Steph Curry, he has the ability to pass it to Draymond Green, who's now wide open for an easy deuce. So uh, a couple times, like like Steph Curry just 
just beat the Thunder with the, with that pick and roll with, with uh, Draymond. But then you start to saw, see Casey Wallace like fight through the screens and communicate that he's getting through the screens to where now you can you can drop back a little bit uh, quicker on Draymond and kind of try to take that away and, and, and rotate accordingly. So I think they sell then as a defender as well as an offensive player in this one. Coming up, let's talk Josh Giddy getting it going late. Let's talk J-Dub. Let's talk Michich and Wiggins playing as well. And let's wrap up this Warriors game ahead of the game against the Atlanta Hawks. But first, I want to tell you right now, but good friends, over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel is great. Check them out today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. This is a great time for FanDuel because you have the NFL happening. You have college basketball happening. So even tonight alone, Monday alone, you've got the NFL, you've got college basketball, you've got the NBA, you've got the NHL. You've got four sports to choose from on FanDuel. And so right now, new customers can have $150 in bonus bets for winning any $5 Moneyline bet. So that's $150 in bonus bets if your team wins the money line bet. And the money line is simply who you think is going to win. So you, so you can pick the most slam dunk, clearest of clear favorites. For example, we mentioned college basketball. You can pick Kansas basketball, Kansas men's basketball, over Tennessee, uh, over North Carolina Central tonight to, to win on the money line. They're going to beat North Carolina Central, spoiler alert. And you win $150 plus whatever little, little you get on the money line because they're such a heavy favorite. So you can go do that and get your reward today. Uh, and whenever you do, go to FanDuel. You can also put on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. But whenever you do, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's the official partner of the NFL and LockedOn. My personal favorite is, of course, to go to FanDuel and check out what they say about the Thunder and about the game today in the NBA. The Thunder, of course, welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. What's happening in this game? The Thunder are three and a half point dogs at home to Atlanta. I don't know about you, but I, I, I like the I like the thunder here in this matchup. So you can go check it out today at Fandle.com slash locked on. Fandle.com slash locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, Josh Giddy, he got it going late, and he was really excellent in the fourth quarter. At best, he was eh in the first three. You could even say bad in the first three. But in the fourth quarter, he finally woke up and took advantage of smaller Warrior lineups. In that fourth quarter, he went six for eight, scored 14 points, three rebounds, and an, and an assist. The best, the best thing I can say about this game is that afterwards, Josh Giddy openly admitted he cannot wait until the fourth quarter to get aggressive. And he's, he openly admitted he's been doing it all year. All year, he's been waiting until the fourth quarter. Then something flips, and he just starts to play his style of basketball where he just where he just kind of pounds smaller guards and is able to score at the rim. And it works, and he plays really well, but it's only for a quarter. And he's got to figure out how to do that from one through three, not just in frame four. He had two and ones in the fourth quarter. Like He had a really good fourth quarter, but you've got to put it together in year three of playing a full game. And it's year three, game six, though. So we've got to keep that in perspective, too. He's going to to figure this out. And he has been a routinely slow starter if, if we've seen his whole career, which we have. 
He ends with 18 points, five rebounds, four assists, six turnovers. Uh, the turnovers for him, for J-Dub, for the whole team, you've got to clean up. But let's see how long it takes for Josh Giddey to start playing a full game. He's a, He's been a slow starter his whole career, but at least now he's he's figuring out how to score in the, in the waning moments of games. Let's see how it looks you know, tonight against the Hawks. After you've acknowledged it's a problem, you've got your first consecutive off days all season long on Saturday and Sunday. Now you play Monday against the Hawks. Let's see how that looks for Josh Giddey against the Hawks, who who have a guy like Trey Young, right? They're not going to put Trey Young, you know, if SGA, if SGA gets upgraded to play, they're not going to put him on SGA. They're not going to put him on, on, on uh, you know, J-Dub. They're not going to put him on Chet. Like, they're, they're running out of options here. You can put him on Josh Giddey, and all of a sudden, like, that, that's a very small guard to, to get past for Josh Giddey if he wants to take advantage of that from the word go in OKC tonight. So J-Dub, uh, he just gave so much energy the dunks, the defense, the hype. Like that was what he gave to this crowd, to this team. He shot 66% from the floor, didn't shoot a three, went two for five from the line. So he's got to clean up the turnovers, got to clean up the free throw shooting. But really, this was a nice game from Jada. 18 points, eight assists, three rebounds. And, and, and so I think that the uh, the turnovers, of course, he had to play make more. But I thought that he accepted and embraced that role uh, really well, considering the kind of short notice of it all and, and – considering it was his first game doing so. Uh, but off the bench, Wiggins, personal 4 run in less than a minute, seven points, two rebounds, and assists. He is another energy-giving player. You have to play Wiggins more. You have to make Wiggins a staple of what you do, in my opinion. Uh, Micic plays in this one. He had a really nice assist. Uh, he helped the offense get into a groove. Uh, he had he had two assists and a three in the first four minutes of action for him. Uh, he has a really nice... Uh, skill where he's, you know, curling off of screens off the dribble and shoots a mid-range jumper. He works on that all the time in practice, and, and it worked in this game. But he goes with five points, three assists, and a rebound. Uh, it, it's hard to play him consistently because of the defense, but you are able to kind of see uh, lineups where you could get him in here against the Warriors. Uh, let's see what it looks like against other teams uh, and where you can find the spots against other matchups because the, the defense is rough right now, and, and Michic has admitted that before, that the defense is rough for him uh, adjusting to the NBA. But you've got to get adjusted by actually playing. And so picking your spots when to work them in is going to be fascinating for OKC. They did get J-Will back. Uh, this was a matchup where like the Thunder least needed another big, which is why Sar didn't play in this one. And uh, I'm not sure much run he would have get he would have gotten even if J-Will uh, was healthy uh, or was still on the bench, I should say. He was healthy in this game. Uh, J-Will does go for six points, five rebounds, uh, three assists, 15 minutes. He set some really hard screens. Like screens this time last year for J-Will were not good. Like he did not set good screens. He went to the G League. He really got better at it, and he got better at it at the end of last year, and now you're seeing him be a really, really, really good screen setter uh, for the Thunder. So let's highlight that. Let's see what Joe looks like now against a more traditional or like bigger Atlanta team. They, they have the opportunity to play bigger if they want to with Nkongwu, with Clint um, Capella, with these guys. So we'll see what he looks like against Atlanta. Uh, but a, a nice showing his first game back from that hamstring injury. I really think they can have a really good sophomore season for OKC. So that's the Warriors game. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? Let me know down below in the comment section on YouTube. And you can find us anywhere you get your podcast from, including on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff, and YouTube. So until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.